we start our our third week in these 40 days of prayer we are joining together with our denominational family the Christian and Missionary Alliance and this third week's emphasis which is a very appropriate response to the first two weeks is to look at the the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer because when you see the holiness of God as we did the first week or even the, the very character of God it leads us to really see our own imperfections, our limitations, our areas of weakness, our sin. And so the, the response of repentance, like we looked at last week, is really the way forward in our lives. But even coming to the place of realization, which repentance is, that, that areas of my life are areas of sin, areas where what I'm doing doesn't work, or what I, what I believe, or what I've said or done is wrong, is not enough to begin to live the life that you're called to live, to live out the mission and uh, assignment that the Lord has for your life. The only way possible that you can be all that, that the Father has destined you to be in Christ is by cooperating and yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the spiritual life is a, is a supernatural life. It's not just it's not just you know trying your hardest. It's yielding yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus explained this to his apostles. Uh, the the apostle John records probably more about the Holy Spirit than any other apostle. Not even. Not even the Apostle Paul tells us as much about the person and some things about the work of the Holy Spirit than the Apostle John does. So this is John chapter 14. This is beginning at verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, one of the great things that has happened to you as a believer is that Christ has united his life to your life, and he's united your life to his life. You are now living in union with Christ and it is in Christ that union with Christ from which every spiritual resource every every heavenly uh, power that you need blessing that you need favor that you need now comes to you through this union with Christ our union with Christ is a fountain of every blessing and just because in Ephesians 1 Paul says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Just because the origin is spiritual doesn't mean that it doesn't have effectiveness and benefits for this physical realm that we live in. As a matter of fact, it's even better because it has a heavenly origin because the things here on earth are not enough for us. But this union 
And this experience of the, of the resources of heaven, the blessings, every spiritual blessing, is only experienced by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, by Jesus saying he is sending the Holy Spirit in your life, he has inaugurated a communion with Christ himself in which the Spirit who indwelt Christ now indwells every believer. You see, what, what Jesus is saying is the Spirit coming on your life is the equivalent of the indwelling of Jesus in your life. It's not, it, it, is, it, it is the equivalent of having Jesus with you, beside you, leading you, guiding you. As a matter of fact, this is the way in which our, our Lord Jesus Christ wanted us to experience his own incarnation, his own obedience, his own crucifixion, his resurrection, and now his exaltation. All of that is indwelling us so that we are united to him in the same way he's united to his Father. I know this is heady stuff, but being a believer in Jesus is a supernatural empowerment. It is not merely a, you know, a nice morality or a good philosophy or an alternative theology. This, this that is promised by Jesus is that he himself is present the incarnate Christ, the obedient Christ, the crucified Christ, the risen Christ, the exalted Christ is present with every believer at exactly the same time. You see, the Apostle John in writing these chapters in his gospel is doing so after Pentecost. And what he's understanding is that Pentecost signals an entire new level of ministry of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So here's the bond that the Lord Jesus has given to every believer. The very bond he has with his Father, he has now given to us by his Spirit, the very Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is an amazing development. See, let me just say it this way again. The spirit who was present and active at Jesus' conception is the same spirit that anointed Jesus as baptism, who directed him and empowered him through his temptations, who gave him power to affect the miracles that Jesus did, who sustained him all the way to the cross, who vindicated him in the resurrection, this same spirit, the spirit of the anointed Christ, now indwells every disciple, every follower, every believer in Jesus. This is why Jesus said in the passage of John 16, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit again, he said, it is good for you that I am going away. <laughs> In some ways, I think this is why 
Satan loves to cloud our understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's because Jesus is basically saying, as good as it was for the disciples to have Jesus present in his, you know, in his human body, Jesus is saying every believer has an either even greater sense of his presence than the disciples did, and we have it all at the same time. It is better for you, he says, that I go. So it's important to understand what he has what he has sent and and what he has done in the person of the Holy Spirit. Um the Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing, not an it. One definition that I like is he's the personal divine resident in every Christian's heart. As a person, you will experience him loving you. When you sense the love of God, that's the spirit of Christ in you loving you. And it's tangible because... I mean, it, you can feel it, is what I'm saying, because he is a person. Just as I can feel the love of my children, I love the love of my friends, or the love of my wife, the Holy Spirit, as a person, if you will, in many ways, stop, listen, and believe, and linger in his presence, you will feel him loving on you. But you can also feel him grieved. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. I I have often recognized that he argues with me. And he argues with me in a way that I can under, understand. And and uh, the problem, though, here, or I would say the, the dynamic here, is that the Holy Spirit is God. He's not just, you know, he's not just, again, some lower level kind of thing. He is equal in every way with Father and Son. How do I know this? Well, I read you that passage in John 14. He says, I will ask you the I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So Jesus uses a word here that's very specific. And the word is another, which means just like me. He he is claiming that the Spirit, the paraclete, the helper, the comforter, is just like him, and he is just like the Father. So he's another just like Jesus. This, again, is this great truth that no matter how weak or, or um, you know, how failing you feel as a Christian, you have not been given a lesser spirit or a junior spirit. You've been given the same spirit that anointed Jesus for his ministry and every believer has this the issue isn't you know whether you failed or you have limitations it's whether or not you have yielded to the same mighty holy spirit you may be the weakest of sinners but you have the mightiest of spirits united to you but here's the thing that only happens if he gets to be right in the middle of your life that's where he wants to be he's the divine person who wants to operate right in the middle of your life so that you will experience all the joy of heaven and all the power of God he wants to fill you with all that he is 
and he wants you to be able to access all that he has. Again, his commitment, the Holy Spirit's commitment has always been to Jesus, to his ministry. So as committed as the Holy Spirit is to Jesus, that's how committed he is to you. Everything he is, is committed to you. Everything he has is committed to you. But again, this is being filled with a person. There has to be a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There has to be, there has to be a, a, you know, not merely compromising or acquiescing. There has to be a willing obedience. Look, listen to what Jesus said. He said, he said for himself, he says, if you love me. Now he said, I'm sending you another just like me. So if you love him, you will keep his commandments. So as he's arguing with you, you stop fighting and you begin to understand and you begin to obey. Now, I want to give you, uh, obviously, one of the great commands of Scripture, and I want to, I want to unpack this a little bit. One of the great commands of Scripture about the Holy Spirit is Paul's writing in Ephesians 5.18, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that you become acutely aware or acutely conscious of this glorious person who lives within the walls of your life. Again, if you, you live in a sense of loneliness, if you live in a sense of always being alone, you are not being filled. If you're living in your own power, if you're living in anger and worry, and you're living in controlling other people, or all of these kind of things, then you're not being filled because you're not living with an acute awareness of the divine resident in your heart. You're not living with acute awareness of this divine person, or one writer said this glorious person, who is the glory of Christ indwelling you. Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. You know, we live in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we live in Christ Jesus? Well, his spirit lives in us. And so, he, he, there's a couple more things that I'd like you to understand. The spirit is not just, in, in some ways, as we receive the Holy Spirit as New Testament believers, we have to understand that what we're really receiving is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, to just use the generic title, Holy Spirit, and not seeing a difference between who He is and how He, he functions in the New Testament versus the Old Testament, is there's a radical difference that has taken place. And, and, and the experience of, the, of, of believers from the New Testament versus the Old Testament is incredibly greater measure and a wonderfully greater fullness of what we can experience as New Testament believers. Because you see, in the Old Testament, believers could not have Jesus in the sense you have Jesus. He had not yet been incarnate. He had not yet been glorified. So you and I have the very Spirit who anointed, who incarnated, who anointed, who vindicated, and who, uh, you know, exalted our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's, we have the Spirit of Christ. I mean, it, it kind of blows my mind that there has been, in this sense, this 
tremendous development in the New Testament and this development in the access you have to all the resources of God, but also the access to the very character of God. Like, uh, I give you an, an example that I use quite often is that often I've heard pe believers pray for patience. And, and what they say, oh, Lord, give me patience. And, then, and then, then their whole world falls apart and they're like, you know, why did you answer it that way? Well, because what they're, in a way what they're asking is that God would supplement their existing patience with more willpower. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit isn't God supplementing your existing goodness and kind of upgrading your goodness. No, it is God saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. So to really be filled with the Holy Spirit is to recognize our inability to do anything. And then beginning to realize, but in Christ, I have all Christ's patience. So you begin to receive his patience and you begin to operate in his patience because you love him, not because you're patient. And then as you see the Spirit's patience revealed as fruit in your life, you don't say, man, am I a patient person. No, you say, thank you, Holy Spirit. I glorify my Lord Jesus Christ. The divine resident in my heart has manifested the very character of Jesus' patience in me. And when people say, oh, you're such a patient person, you don't go, oh, no, I'm not. You don't do that. You, you, you just give thanks to God for the fruit because you know you're not patient. You know you're not kind. You know, you know you're not self, uh, you know, selfless. And it's only as you recognize this and you say, I can do nothing apart from Christ, just like Jesus said. And you're not asking for an upgrade of your goodness, but you're asking for a takeover of Jesus' character. That way, God, Jesus is always glorified, even as the fruit of the Spirit begins to manifest in your life. So, one last thing, and, and about, you know, before I look at the effects of the Holy Spirit, but about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Some of you know this, but let me just say it again. The Lord Jesus Christ operated in his humanity. And what he did is he relied on the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus was a Spirit-equipped, Spirit-baptized, Spirit-filled human. Now, he's also fully God, but in his earthly ministry, to be our Savior... He had to operate as a spirit-filled human. He did not do his miracles in his divinity. He operated in his spirit-filled humanity. So, he said it this way, I do nothing of my own initiative. I only do what I see the Father doing. So, Jesus was so in tune with the Spirit, and the Spirit so in tune with the Father, that Jesus stepped into where the Father was opening blind eyes, where the Father was healing the sick, where the Father was making the lame to walk. Even when it came to getting rid of 
demonize people, Jesus stepped into that situation and used his authority as a spirit-filled human, spirit-equipped. Why do you do that? Because he said, these things that I do, you shall do, and greater things than these because I go to the Father. I mean, there, there's other reasons. Uh, he needed to be the second Adam. He needed to be our substitute. He needed to be our representative. And he had to do that in his humanity uh, because he had to undo what Adam had done. But when it came to his miracles, he was telling us that if we are spirit-filled and we are spirit-equipped, then now... By operating in that authority, by operating, submitting to the Spirit of Christ within us, then we can see all the things that Christ himself did. That's a pretty amazing promise. In, in most of my life, I have, uh, particularly when I was a, a teenager, I guess, and I was, I was already feeling called to the ministry, it was almost like that. those verses haunted me because I was like, how can this ever be? The things you did, Jesus, I will do. But there was a part of me that says, I may not understand this, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to walk where the Spirit leads me to walk. And over the course of my life, over the course of many years of ministry, I have seen many of the things that Jesus did in terms of miracles. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen arms and legs grow. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen the blind see. I've seen the demonized set free. Even some who were at the level of demonization, like the Gadarene demoniac, I've seen him go from, from having you know, supernatural strength and destructive behaviors to suddenly being in their right mind and able to, to hear, to listen, and to follow Christ with all their hearts. None of that is humanly possible but this is the aspect of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that nothing is impossible with God and it's beginning to believe that there's more but the more isn't about you being more or doing more it's about you yielding to the, to the divine resident in your heart to the divine person who wants to be in the center of your life now we receive uh, the Holy Spirit at the beginning of our life in Christ, of our union with Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit. We are born uh, of the Spirit, by the Spirit. It is He who is called by Paul the Spirit of adoption. And we, when He comes into the believer's life, our union and our, our communion with God is forever changed. But there is, a, there is a significant aspect where very few believers ever at the beginning really understand what they have in the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, normally speaking, we have to come to a place somewhere in our Christian life where we realize, I can't do this on my own. I want to be holy, but I'm not. I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing. I want to have power, but I don't feel very powerful. And there comes some point, a crisis-type moment, or, or some moment of realization that 
Whatever this Christian life is, it can't be lived in my own will or in my own power. And usually that is the Holy Spirit leading us to a moment or to a series of moments in which we will have a subsequent, fuller experience, not only of His presence, but of His power. Now, the old-timers, um, pre Azusa Street Pentecostals used to always call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they were talking about being being grasped by the Holy Spirit, being taken, you know, into a, a whole new level of communion and union with Christ, experiencing a baptism of the love of God, experiencing a baptism of the power of God. The founder of our denomination, uh, A.B. Simpson, he said that, that this filling of the Holy Spirit, which he called a baptism of the Holy Spirit, he called it the secret of happiness. He called it the secret of our holiness. And he said it was the secret of our power. So he said, if, in, in a way, you can look at these three things. The secret of our holiness, the secret of our happiness, the secret of our power. And you go, am I lacking in holiness? Is there an area where habitual sin has got me gripped? And I need to, I need a fresh filling, or I need to get immersed, baptized in the Holy Spirit in that area. Do I not have capacity for happiness? Well, then I need to empty what is weighing me down, and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is there a lack of power in my life? Well, then that's a place where my union with Christ through His divine resident holy spirit the spirit of christ in me is not communing with me and i with him something has blocked our union you know in a in our denominational policy or position it's the will of god that each of us should be filled with the holy spirit ephesians 5:18 be filled with the holy spirit first thessalonians 5 Verse 23, that we would be sanctified holy, that we be that there would be a wholeness and we'd be set apart for God, separated from sin and the world, and experiencing the fullness of the will of God in our life. Jesus even said it this way, that you may have life to the full. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Anything less than that is an issue between you and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we need these jolts. When I was a kid, if you had an infection, they didn't just give you antibiotics. They used to give us these things called boosters. And they'd give you a shot of antibiotic. In a way, when you get kind of stuck, what you need is you, you need a fresh filling. You need a boost. Sometimes we're so hard-headed and sometimes we're so stubborn that we need something that's so drastic that it turns us all around. Um, one of the great leaders of revival, one of the great leaders of the Great Awakening was John Wesley. And Wesley was kind of a stubborn guy in many ways because he, he, was, he was methodical in his Christianity. That's why they call him Methodist. He had methods of holiness. He, thought through what it would you know what steps you had to take to be holy but he wasn't very holy 
And, and he, he talks about an arresting moment with the Holy Spirit. At about three in the morning, as we were continuing in prayer, the power of God came mightily upon us. Many cried out in complete joy. Others were knocked to the ground. And as soon as we recovered a little from the awe and amazement at God's presence, we broke out in praise. Charles Finney was one of the greatest evangelists. You know, I don't always agree with his theology, but he was very effective in leading people to Christ. Listen to what he said. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. My favorite story of this is D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a very gifted fellow. He was a, a shoe salesman who got on fire for Jesus and started to do evangelistic crusades. And he had style, he had energy, people listened to him. But there were these two old ladies. And they said to D.L. Moody, they said point blank, they said, Mr. Moody, uh, we've been praying that you will get baptized in the Holy Spirit or you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And Moody said he was very, he, you know, I was offended by these ladies. Like, who, you know, who do you think I am? You know, I'm, I'm D.L. Moody. I'm a great evangelist. But it, it kind of stuck with him. And it kind of, it's one of those things that he couldn't get rid of that thought. He couldn't get rid of what they said. And, uh, you know, they were convinced he lacked the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was really annoyed, but he couldn't let it go. And then he says this, There came a great hunger into my soul. I did not know what it was. I began to cry out as never before. I never, I really felt that I did not want to live if I could not have his power for service. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his Holy Spirit. And about six months later, these things are not always instantaneous, he said. Walking down the street in New York City, Wall Street in New York City, Spirit came on him. Oh, what a day, he said. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It's almost too sacred an experience to name. I can only say God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. There's just one condition to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger is... I mean, obviously, the filling of the Holy Spirit leads us, you know, more and more to even greater uh, love of Christ, obedience to Christ, all of those things, but those are the evidences. That's not the requisite. The requisite is hunger. And the requisite is maybe to believe that if I'm hungry, it's because God has made me hungry with a hunger that only he can fill. So think about when you first met Jesus and how you had that hunger planted in you. But think about, have you let him be the satisfaction of that hunger? His love, his power, your happiness being in him not in you or this world. Have you had a moment where you were clearly filled with the Holy Spirit? If not, 
then express your hunger today. Receive with openness. Even open up your heart, open up your mouth, God said, and I will fill it. And then you can use this scripture that John spoke. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, the, you the one that Jesus sent to come alongside me. The comforter. The paraclete. I'm going to prayer that someone prayed is grow my capacity. You see, that's that acute consciousness, acute awareness of his presence. Grow my capacity to receive all I need from you. Transform my comprehension. Instruct me in truth. Comfort and strengthen me. Fill me with an ability to introduce you to others. I want to know you. I hunger to be transformed by you. Come. You receive that today. In Jesus' name. Amen.